It is February 27th, 1941. We are live at the Biltmore Hotel in downtown LA. And it is the 13th Annual Academy Awards honoring the films of 1940. And it's time for the big moment of the night. The envelope, please. And the winner is... Rebecca. Gasp. Gasp. Ooh, ah, shock. Ooh. Oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. Hi, Sam is here. Oh, is that your name? That's my name. I didn't know that. <laughs> I made... Okay, I was like, no, we're going to remember to say our names this week. It's going to happen. I mean, I've known... I've seen you around for like five years or Thanks so, for the but I mean, I just never knew. I was like, <laughs> the blonde guy. <laughs> That's what my, my family that calls Nordic me That Nordic-looking person who, yes. who comes in. Yes. Um... Yes, my name is Rance. Yes, here we go. Sam and Rance, we're back for another episode of The Envelope, please. And we're going to talk about Rebecca this year. We are. This year. This this year. This day. This day. On this day. (laughs) (laughs) Killing it. (laughs) We're professionals. We are. So, yes, some 78 years ago. Look at that quick math. Wow. Did you notice that? That I did that right off the top of my head. And now I'm like going... Well, yeah, that's, 1941. That's, that's right, yeah. 79 yeah. years since the that's movies good. were released. And this is an exciting year. I had found out this was the first year that Pricewaterhouse came in, and they had sealed envelopes. Mm-hmm. Nobody actually knew who the winners were this year, and that now kind of um, gave a whole new meaning for them saying, may I have the envelope, please? You know, in the continuing story of Betty Davis makes up things that mm-hmm. she changed at the Academy. Um, Love this. <laughs> Which is a, an annual event. At this it was point. after her to be called the Betty Davis Award. Yes. <laughs> you know, she thought she named it. She <laughs> thought um, she said that Price Waterhouse came in after uh, after the write-in nomination situation in 1934. Mm-hmm. Um, but actually, Price Waterhouse didn't come in until this Academy Award. Correct. Because of the whole fiasco of the year before, 1939 Oscars with mm-hmm. Gone with the Wind. Um, what was it? Was it in LA Times or Variety? Yeah, or LA, it was Times. LA Times. Yeah. Uh, it was leaked. All the winners were leaked, so people knew who the winners were before the actual ceremony. I think it was LA Times. I like, think it was. I mean, like, we're saying the word think so that yes. if we're wrong, nobody can be No, don't come for it. us, okay? We're I think doing it was the best because we can. <laughs> there were like two editions of the paper that yes. had the evening edition. I think you're right. put it in the. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and that ruined the suspense. So they decided no more of that. We don't want that to ever happen again. So pretty much since 1940, we now have. Sealed envelopes. Do you kind of wish sometimes we lived in the days of newspapers where you... Where you, <laughs> you had, know there you are some newspapers, e- right? <laughs> I know, I know. My neighbor, actually, my neighbor gets the LA Times. That's wild. No, yeah. I have never in my life purchased a newspaper or been on a newspaper subscription. I, you know, that It was would be fun, though. My first job after I graduated from college was as a newspaper reporter. No, it was not. For a local paper. Um, in a town that had like 10,000 people. My favorites. Um, in Arkansas. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, um... <laughs> what was the name of the paper? The Daily Siftings Herald. Wow. And I worked there for six months until I came out to LA. I wrote, it was a five-day-a-week paper. Oh. I wrote like four articles a day. Wow. Yeah, because there was like nobody else on staff. And sure. I wrote about the big controversy that happened while I was there was uh, there was this chicken ordinance in oh town God. that <laughs> there was a fight oh. about this family that had chickens and they weren't supposed to have chickens within the city limits or not have that many chickens or something I love like Arkansas. that. Oh, yeah. to have those problems. I mean, it was 
<laughs> it was a time to be alive. Oh, God. Um, uh, fascinating. I love that little story. I did not work for a paper. The only, the only thing that I would do sometimes is my mom would give me like 90 cents. I'd walk into the store and buy the Lake Mills graphic. That was about it. But I love the idea of like waking up, having coffee, reading your paper, and then being like, "Oh my gosh, look who won Best Actor!" That would that would that, that would ruin was, your day, though. Well, my dad used to get a couple of papers. Oh yeah. I don't know if he still does or not, or if he just gets them on his iPad now. But he used to. As is everybody. I mean, but he used to get a couple, and I remember going out and getting the paper in the morning, <clears throat> um, and then he would, sure. and we had a huge thing of recyclables that was. All newspapers. Yes. Well, all newspapers became for my family. It was like something you would put down to like put hot things onto or like, you know, you put it down when you're going to carve your pumpkins so you don't get, sh- you know, shit on the ground. Or you would put it's it down. Trash. What I'm saying is it became trash. Potty training the cat or the dog. The cat or the dog. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. What um, is this podcast What about? are we talking about? <laughs> uh, Rebecca. That's right. That's right. Uh, okay. I, I was, ve- I'm very familiar with Rebecca. Uh, I know you are, right? I have seen it many, many times. Many a time. So this is... Do we want to go Do we want to go with the other stuff that happened this year first? Absolutely, I want to. Yes. Um, not that, that we have an order or an idea of how this podcast no, works. It's, it's, I'm on board for whatever you want, Rams. <laughs> you know? If I had a dime. If I had a dime. <laughs> oh, man. You'd be a rich man. Yeah. Uh, what else happened this year? This was... Um, oh, this was the first year that we had two... Writing nominees. It was split into two separate categories: original yeah. screenplay and screenplay. Which <laughs> does that make sense? And adapted, adapted screenplay. Right, is but what not you mean. called adapted yet. But here's the deal: the last year, though, in '39, there was still an original story and screenplay. Yes, which I think is on the same. But original story ended up staying as a category for a while. Yes. So there's like three different writing Oscars yes. at this point. And this this is a thing that's kind of is like in existence for a while with the yes. Academy. They do not figure out how to properly like distribute the writing nominations for years to come. We finally have what we see now with Best Original Screenplay and Best Adapted Screenplay. And there's still some like, occasionally you'll have like a little, not a controversy, but like, you know, you'll have a debate about whether something counts as adapted mm-hmm. or not because it's, yep. what is, I mean like when you're dealing with like uh, uh, um, a, a biography, for instance, uh, like when they did Lincoln a few years ago, yep. it was based largely on one book, and I think they ended up putting it in adapted. But, I think you're right. Yes, but you could also there also could have been an argument. And there was controversy a couple of years ago with um, Moonlight, wasn't there? It was okay. put in the original screenplay category, mm-hmm. but technically it was adapted from a play, right? Yes, Something or some like kind that. of work. It was like yeah, it's like how much of the work. I think that's right. I hope I'm not getting that wrong. Um, yeah. But there was some kind of controversy where that screenplay should lie as well. Regardless, right now, this year, we are, we're seeing the categories um, original so story. Three different. There's three categories, yes. Original story, original screenplay, and then just screenplay. So I, <laughs> yeah. looking at it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. What, how, do you, how do you make sense Well, it of this? appears to be looking at like the best screenplay category. These are all based on... A play or a novel. So mm-hmm. I think that um, 
I think that's the point of it. Oh, look, Dalton Trumbo wrote Kitty Foyle. Ooh. Chris Trumbo had his own movie a few years ago. But like what um, we see end up happening with this weird categorization of the screenplays in years to come is mm-hmm. some movies are nominated in multiple writing categories. Yes, yeah, so you can have, it, it, theoretically, you could be an original story and have and original screenplay. screenplay. Yeah. Um, it does not appear that that, that happened no, this year. I don't think it did. Though. Um, I've noticed that I noticed that as the original story goes on, I have recognized a lot of like comedies winning that one. Sure, um, because I mean, in large part, a lot of movies were still being based off of books and plays. Mm-hmm. That's where these big, you know, studio heads were getting a lot of their um, hot properties from. They were, you know, mm-hmm. um, optioning all of these New York Times bestselling books or plays that are still even running on Broadway, getting great reviews that's where they found a lot of their big movies from yeah i feel like, so i feel like maybe because of the literary pedigree of the stuff that you're finding in best screenplay mm-hmm. um like original story is where you like throw an award to that random fun i don't know like screwball comedy or whatever definitely it, it gives know. yeah movies more of a chance to be recognized in this category than it is now you know it's very difficult to make one of the final cuts for screenplay nowadays because the first winner here arise my love is a romantic comedy hey, look at that. and it's written by billy wilder oh. but he doesn't win best screenplay no. because the, he didn't come up with the story someone else did oh exactly so it's <laughs> so confusing it's yeah. like and then, like we have like, a story in screenplay, it gets yeah, it gets wild for many years to come. Okay, um, uh, so we got that. We got those writing categories getting split up. Mm-hmm. Um, there is still like, have you noticed how at this point in time there are a gazillion nominees for best original score? A gazillion, absolutely. It's yes. like if the movie had a score, we're just gonna nominate it. And special effects. Do you see all those? Uh, yes. 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 nominees for special effects. I mean, like, I'm gonna go ahead. I love Rebecca, but I'm calling bullshit on the photographic effects for this one. Oh, absolutely. Some of that rear projection is not great. It's, yeah, it does <laughs> come across a little dated when you watch it now. Very true. I know, but I've seen better. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> but if you have a back tag, <clears throat> I haven't watched all the way, but, like, the clips I've seen of it, those are pretty good effects oh, wow. for the time. Um... Anywho, okay, let's look at the Best Picture nominees. Let's do it. Um, oh, one more sidebar. This is also the first year to have an animated film win competitive Oscars, Pinocchio. What? Which one did it win? It won the song, right? Yep, Oh, song. Best Original Song. And, and it won another one, too. That Sound category will end up being very... Score. Uh, score and song, which has, yeah, become very synonymous with animated films. You'll see a lot of animated movies. Very much so. Yeah, When You Wish Upon a Star being the, being the song. Which I mean is like, I'm it's, classic Disney. It's classic. It may <laughs> Everyone be, knows that song. It may be the classic Disney. It song. sure is. Um, All right, best picture nominees. Here we go. We're also going to cover while we're talking about this our favorite category because all of the nominees uh, for best actress are also in best picture nominated films. Definitely. So we're going to cover our favorite category. <laughs> we sure are. While while talking about this. Okay, so. All This and Heaven 2. Mm-hmm. Notice I put the pause after I said all this because there yes. is a comma. The very important comma. You yes. must, you must uh, be faithful to it. Um, as a Betty Davis file, I am familiar with this movie. And I have not seen it. Uh, it's long. Good. It's like two and a half hours long. Good gracious. Um, and it stars Betty Davis and Charles Boyer. 
and she uh, plays a governess. It's a true story. Mm-hmm. She plays uh, based. It's based on a novel, but it's a true story that was turned into a novel mm-hmm. based on like the great niece or something's interpretation of what happened to her aunt. Interesting. Yeah, and uh, anyway, so it's like French people, and she uh, and Charles Boyer is French. Betty Davis has a very subtle French accent. Um, <laughs> she says "wee oui, wee" oui, every every like thirty minutes, <laughs> just to make sure we remember. Just to make sure. <laughs> no, I mean like it's subtle in the way like it's there, but it's not like. Right. So pronounced. She's that. not like doing all the sounds. She's doing just the various stereotype yes. sounds. Just she's to make just, sure. Just to make sure you know she's French in a way that like nobody that. else in the cast even bothers to do. Of course. Except for Charles Boyer, who is French. She gets away with it. Um, so um, all this in heaven do. Uh, she plays a governess and his, uh, his wife is very domineering. His wife is played by the same woman who played the mother in Gone with the Wind. And mm, yes. um, she chews the scenery like nobody's business. Of course she does. And Betty Davis plays it really subtle and is kind of a heroine in this one. And the wife begins to believe that um, the husband is having an affair with this governess to their kids. Oh. Um, and uh, the movie plays it to where they don't have an affair, but they are in love with each other. Probably due to the code. Mm-hmm. But the novel does take that stance as well, but historically speaking, there is debate about whether or not... It was like a duke or something, so it ended up in this whole controversy, and there was a, a court case. So it's like an interesting true story. Huh. Um, <clears throat> from like the 1800s or so. Or 1700s. I don't know. Like that vague period of time where everybody's dressed. <laughs> you know, either a hundred or a few hundred years ago. You know like how, that. like, there's not electricity. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the big takeaway. Um, anyway, it's a, it's a, it has my favorite shot of Betty Davis of all time. Oh, what shot is that? Is she smoking a cigarette? No. Oh. She doesn't smoke in this movie. She's putting she's, a cigarette out. Because she's a lady. Right. She's a lady in this movie. A lady in the, I don't know. Uh, the 1700s. 1800s. <laughs> I don't know. Jesus isn't there, so it's Somewhere like... between we became our own country and slavery. Somewhere between there. Yeah. I, America exists. Correct. In this, you know, and there's opera. They go to an opera. At one oh, point. okay. So, gotcha. you know, the opera, there's lots of sexual tension at the opera. <laughs> um, oh, and the little girl from the Philadelphia story is in it. Ooh, gotcha. You know, the little smart-ass yes. girl from that movie. And uh, and then uh, an actress named June Lockhart is in it, who went on to be in Lost in Space and Lassie. So there's like a, it has an interesting cast. Interesting. A lot of people who are in Gone with the Wind, for some reason, are in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, Warner Bros. saw it as an answer to Gone with the Wind. Oh, um, but like, epic. Because it's based on a novel that was a best-selling novel. Sure. And Starring Betty Davis. Has, it's in black and white, though, and there's, like, tons of sets, but they're all inside. It's not like they actually went Gone with the Wind with it, anyway. Right. It's still entertaining. All right. Um, Betty Davis. She's the thing. I don't... I feel like there was something else I was going to say about it. I talked about the time period. What was I... I was saying the opera... Oh, the shot. Yes. Okay. Really professional, really controlled yes. my own <laughs> train of thought. There's a shot of her after they come back from this opera. Um, I think it's an opera. Maybe it's a play. Could be a play. I don't know. I think it's the opera. Um, on the stage. Where 
Betty gets a, like a little flower or something from Charles Boyer, and the two of them took the daughter together, and it was like very controversial because you could see all the people in who were looking up in their bo- in their box, going like, "Oh, he's with someone who isn't his wife." Oh. And but after they had such a lovely time together, she puts the girl to bed, and she goes. Uh, into the other room and sees the flower and she picks it up and she holds it up to her face and she like smells it and puts it down and twirls it in her fingers and as it's this is happening um, she's just illuminated by this little bit of kerosene lamp and the because it's the 1700s because it's because it's 1492 <laughs> and, and, and the camera like dollies into a close up of her face and she just looks up wistfully Okay. I'll find it and show it to you. That gets my gears grinding. I like the sound of that. Okay. Really, if you just have a lot of close-ups of a diva, we're like there. (laughs) (laughs) So on board. We're so on board. Uh, Foreign Correspondent. I haven't... It's like one of the few Hitchcock movies I haven't seen. Mm, Me either. Um, Uh, But it did get another nomination for Supporting Actor, so uh, it does have a bit of support in other branches as well. And... It's it's his second. It's Hitchcock's second American film. It's what he did right after Rebecca. Mm. We have two nominations for Hitchcock movies here, which is interesting. Interesting, and two Betty Davis films. Uh, we do. Aren't and it's two William Wyler movies too, isn't it? We have the letter, and didn't he also do? Oh no, I'm wrong. Nope. Disregard. I was gonna believe you, but nope, not at all. No. No, uh, but we have two two John Ford John Ford, Ford movies. movies. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah, two we have John two Ford John Ford movies. Ford movies. I was like, I knew there was someone who had other two movies that year. Uh, um, yes, and, and one of the next one, The Grapes of Wrath. This was uh, one of John Ford's movies that year. This is a cinema seminal movie. Yes, this is an American classic, and I actually just watched it for the first time a couple of weeks ago to prepare for this because the the big question, mm-hmm. at which we will cover. We may actually put Graves of Wrath on pause. Because we might I feel have like, to, yes. Because I feel like the discussion here is whether or not it... It or Rebecca should win. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So we'll uh, circle back to that one. Uh, great Dictator. Oh, what a great movie. I'm this is very a, sad I haven't seen this. It's good. I've seen the speech. I've yes, seen of the, course. I'm sure a lot of people are very familiar with the speech. And honestly, like this movie is great. <clears throat> but as far as Best Picture goes, maybe not so much, but... Um, it doesn't feel like one from it, what I know. Yeah. But the writing is phenomenal and he is amazing. It's his first movie with sound. It's Charlie Chaplin's first sound. Absolutely. Film. And it's like, yeah. why have you not been doing this longer? He's incredible in the movie. Yeah. Um, so those nominate every nomination he got is very well deserved. And it's it's very it's an interesting movie to come out in nineteen forty before America is in the war because isn't it it's a parody of Hitler. Absolutely it yeah. is. And that is why this movie was banned from Europe and Germany for so long. Which we should... We talked about this in our last episode, but we should mention that these these are the movies where the war is really... We're getting there now. Because the war is absolutely. on. And like All it, the movies that are nominated this year were produced while the war was... Absolutely. You cannot talk about you know Hollywood and especially the Academy Awards mm-hmm. um, made during this time, these movies of this time period without referencing... World War II and how that affected everything, even yeah. down to like filming locations. We'll yeah. get into that a little bit later on too. Mm-hmm. But you know, we we had lost this foreign market with Germany. We were so afraid of disrupting these ties with you know getting all this money from um, across the seas that you can kind of see some movies. Um, and you lose you lose uh, 
you lose places to play the movie. Exactly, you know? and that's a big part of it. So you see like a lot of you know, studios, some studios are like, well, we have to dial back some of this more controversial subject matter. Some studios don't care. They would rather just get it all out. It's a very interesting time for movies. Although I think that because, because uh, the British film production slowed down during mm-hmm. this period, I, I do believe that... Uh, uh, that allowed America, like American movies, already did well in England. Oh yeah, I feel, I think the they relied more heavily on American movies. Absolutely, at that point because they weren't making as many movies. Definitely, and and that was something during the Blitz that people could go do indoors. Definitely, yeah. You know? And like also, like the American film market and the British film market are have always been very like close together. Like we have huge ties between their market and ours as well. You see a lot of. You know, British actors coming to America, American actors playing in Britain. You know what I mean? And the it, first foreign film that's going to win Best Picture is going a British to be import. a British import, exactly. which we'll get to definitely in a few so years. See a lot. We really like come together a lot in our filming. I mean, it happens. It makes all sense the time. though because you're speaking the same language. To definitely, you. and culturally, we're most similar to definitely. the UK. Yeah. So um, again, we're gonna get to we're gonna get into that with our best picture winner this year. We will, and we're gonna get into it next year as well because we are about to hit a couple of movies that take place. We will in the UK. Um, next up is our lead actress winner, uh, Kitty Foyle, was nominated for picture, which gave Ginger Rogers her Oscar. I have seen Kitty Foyle. You've seen it. I have not. Uh, Kitty Foyle. I mean, like it's it's an I it's an acting movie. It's yeah. a it's a vehicle for her. It's right? a it's a Ginger Rogers vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think it's a great film. Mm-hmm. Um, Ginger Rogers is delightful yeah. in everything she ever did. Um, I, I'm okay with her winning Best Actress because of who she is. Right. She deserves an Oscar. Mm-hmm. I don't think she necessarily is the best of the nominees. The five nominees. It's kind of like, I would kind of akin this to like Olivia de Havilland winning for Two Each's Own. Yes. Um, which is... A good performance, but not a good movie. Kind of what this feels like, too. Yeah. I... You know? Yeah, Tisha Bone is, like, an okay film. Yeah, it's, like, all right, but... Yeah, it's, like... It's, like, there's certain movies... I think Kitty Foyle's in the same category. I think there's certain movies that are, like, a passable Saturday afternoon. Yeah. And you'll mm-hmm. be entertained enough to, to get through it, and you could appreciate the performance, but totally. it's not, like, a great It's a movie, movie you go to to specifically watch Ginger Rogers. Which we still have a lot of acting winners that end up in those type of categories, too. Yes, we do. I would say Still Alice. Still Alice, that's Julianne Moore. Totally, you watch that movie for her, and really her alone. Yeah. Definitely, it happens a lot. Yeah. Um, but for whatever reason, Kitty Foyle was nominated for Best Picture. For some um, reason. And Best Director. Yeah, I don't... Well, Sam Wood. Sam Wood was very respected. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's and I mean like in the movie I think was a huge hit. I mean I mean definitely. So it all kind of the stars Shane aligned. Rogers was huge. But had this been a, a year of only five nominees, I don't think it would have made the cut. No, you know, um, Ginger also had been had not really done drama. Yet. Definitely. And so I think a big, or at least this type, she hadn't broken her mold before. Right, and correct me if I'm wrong, but she's not singing and dancing in this. Movie. She doesn't sing, she doesn't dance, exactly. and that was unusual. Definitely. And people, I think, you know, like, the Academy loves it when you go out of your comfort zone, and that's a have. lot of what her winning for Kitty Foyle's about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, like, she's she's fantastic, and she definitely, her career deserves an Oscar. Definitely. So, I'm okay with her winning, but we'll get to 
perhaps the best performance in the category, actually, <laughs> is uh, our next best picture nominee. The Letter. The Letter. Ooh, uh, this is a fun movie. The Letter is great. The Letter is great. And this is yeah. great Betty Davis. It's wonderful. And the direction is wonderful from William Wyler as well. Clearly, these two have a great working relationship and off-screen relationship. Oh, they do. They do. They do. <laughs> um, uh, there is some... Um, Interesting casting choices uh, in this that do movie. not date well. Don't date well. I mean, because Gail it takes place. Oh man, that's that's still a little. It takes place at a, in Malaysia. Yes, and Gail Sondergaard, who was the first woman to win Best Supporting Actress, she was. She uh, plays a uh, an Asian mm-hmm. um, person, uh, and she is not. She certainly is not. Very and, harsh makeup. Yeah, and that's what it is. It's like you can you can just tell how much makeup they put on her to make her passable as like playing Asian, and it's just it it just comes across very uncomfortable. It, um, it doesn't work. It doesn't work at all. Obviously, in today's you know with with like twenty nineteen eyes, it's like yikes. I mean, um, the scene where the two of them meet is kind of <laughs> tense, but it's like all on Betty. And that's the thing. Yeah. It's like, the role itself is fine. It's just they cast someone they shouldn't have cast. I know. And they you put know, her it in could have been a very interesting part for somebody else. She's like all decked out. and Yeah. It's it's a very... If you remove, if you remove that from the movie, though, mm-hmm. there are also some other... Like, there, there's a couple other parts that are played by actual Asian actors, which yes. is interesting, because you have people who are actually... And that's what I just never understand. Yeah. It's like, you do actually... Even for like the, maybe it's just for the actors who have like you know one or two lines in the movie, which is you know yeah. just really really embarrassing and sad. Um, I don't remember back then. It's been it's been a little bit, but like there's a guy, the guy who Who's facilitating yes. the blackmailing, the deal. Yes, yeah. yes. He, he, but he's also very stereotyped as well mm-hmm. as being like the stupid little Asian sidekick, which yeah. is also embarrassing looking back at it now too. Yeah. So it's like you have to watch these things in context, and some people I understand can't swallow that stuff. Yes, but uh, if you if you look at the letter otherwise, it has it's beautifully shot. Yes, it, is. it has a great lead performance and a great opening sequence. The, it's great. It's, I mean, like it's not a spoiler to tell people this. It's, it's not. It's literally the first scene, but. Um, it opens on this plantation set, which, by the way, was built inside of Stage 16 at Warner Brothers. So wow, that outdoor that. set is actually... It's actually indoor. Yeah. I didn't know that. That's and awesome. She, Betty Davis lives with her husband on this plantation mm-hmm. in Malaysia. And um, uh, they... Uh, the camera, like, pans across... Yeah, it's, like, tracking where, up to the front of the house. Yes. And then you just hear, you hear one shot, uh-huh. and then the guy stumbles out into the French porch, Betty Davis is behind him with a gun, and she shoots him five more times in the back, uh-huh. and then just Keep stands there. Yeah. <laughs> and then she knows she's screwed. So the rest of the movie is figuring out, you know, why did she shoot him? Who is this guy? What actually happened? And it turns into this, you know, trial movie she puts she gets put on trial it's it's wonderful it's a great betty davis performance and you spend like, the movie is good because you spend the whole time trying to figure out what's going on in her head mm-hmm. like is she bad is she good we don't know and she's like she's playing a woman who is acting yes 
Um, and she only lets the guard down at like the very end of the movie uh-huh. when she says a very important line to her husband. Yes. Like basically screams it out because exactly. she's been holding it in and it's like... So she's great. She really is a reason to watch this movie. Yes. Um, and like... Uh, it's not the movie I would give her her third Oscar for, but she may be no. the best performance in this category. We'll talk. We'll, of these nominees, yeah. You'll see. Right. Next uh, is The Long Voyage Home, which I have nothing seen. about it. Peachy. John Ford, though, directed it. He also directed Grapes of Wrath. There you go. So two nominees for John Ford. And then we have Our Town, which I'm familiar with the play. It's a great play. A very long play. Yeah. I'm guessing it's a long movie as well. But... Um, well, let's see what the Martha Scott was nominated is. for lead actress for it. And what's her name? Now I can't think of her name. The role, her character's name. Well, I'm about to see. Oh, please tell me. Emily. Emily, thank you. Yes. She, that's oh, the movie's only 90 minutes. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. Faye Bainter and William Holden. Or I mean, Great like, cast. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm in. I'm sure this is the great definitive Thomas version. Thomas Mitchell. Oh, my gosh. Eula Bondi. So it makes sense why this is in the best picture race. 100%. Okay. That's Big def- movie. That's a great ensemble. So Yeah, I would give it a watch. But Emily, she's you a great character. You might remember Thomas Mitchell because he was in every best picture nominee last year. Literally everyone. <laughs> um, and then we have The, the Philadelphia, Philadelphia Story, which... Uh, <laughs> what? Go ahead. I have troubles with this movie. I don't know why. I feel like I'm the only person who doesn't really care for it. I don't love it. Honestly, I don't. Yeah. I never have. Um, and I have... There's friends of mine who... My other friends who are also old movie fans mm-hmm. love the Philadelphia story. A and it's like every, every person I come in contact with... A lot of people who are like casual old movie fans really like this movie. And I've never... I've I don't know never what it is. completely gotten that. And I also didn't like it when it was the musical, High Society. I also didn't think that was a really great movie. I just think it's a story. I think the story is, maybe it's because this is like maybe one of the original mm-hmm. um, uh, like iterations of this story, of the, the epic love triangle where the people come in. You know what I mean? That kind it's of like in the top romantic too. comedy. It is. Yeah. yeah. And even like this, the FI's top like 10 screenplays, it's up there as well. Um, I, I will know. say like every few years, I... Excuse me. I've seen it a couple of times. Yeah. And I try it again every few years thinking like there's going to be a point where I get this. Maybe I need to rewatch because it. Because I like everybody in it. It's me too. so weird. They're I all love... so great. And I will say this too. Maybe a, maybe a part of mid is knowing that Jimmy Stewart won Best Actor for this movie this year and it should never have happened. I mean like... That upsets me a lot. He definitely said, did not deserve Best Actor that for said, this movie. It's not that he gives a bad performance in the movie. True. He does his job. It's just in... I mean, like, it's just in comparison... <laughs> yes. In to, comparison... Not even just in comparison to the other performances this year, but in comparison to what he delivered last year in Mr. Smith Goes which, to Washington. This is one... I totally think he won this Oscar because they passed over him the year before. And that's what a lot of you know Mr. Oscar Smith. pundits and people say. It's like, this was our um, We're Sorry Oscar. Which happens... You know what I mean? All the time. Happens all the time. It's going to happen again next year. It sure is. So we're <laughs> seeing it now right here. Jimmy Stewart. But I mean, right you look guy, at it. Wrong performance. Charlie Chaplin, know? the great dictator. Henry Fonda, great. Uh-huh. Henry Fonda. And the honestly, it should have been Henry Fonda. It that is be. who should have won. It should be. Although we get a really nice moment because he doesn't win years and years later. When he finally does win Best Actor, it's a nice Truth. moment. Yes. Um, then, of course, Lawrence Olivier and Rebecca. And then uh-huh. I haven't seen A Blinken in Illinois. Um, Harry Fonda, in, ironically, also played young Mr. Lincoln. Yes, he did. Um, but I mean, like I, I mean, like someone playing Abe Lincoln sounds like a 
great Best Actor nominee. Yes, it does. Um, so I, I just don't. But it was given to Jimmy Stewart, and it, you know, it's, it's fine. Like Jimmy Stewart should have an Oscar. It just shouldn't be the first movie. I just, I don't really care for this film. Isn't it interesting that of the Best Actor and Actress nominees, only one nominee wasn't in a Best Picture nominated <sighs> film? Ooh, isn't that a that is so true? Fun little, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Abe Lincoln, Illinois. Okay, let's talk a little bit about The Grapes of Wrath. All right, so here we have our final two. Grapes of Wrath, John Ford movie. Um, this movie is excellent. It's, it is, it's a perfect film. It is. It's really, really excellent. The And you know why I think it's wonderful? Um, the cinematographer was Greg Toland, right? Who did... Who uh, did Citizen Kane Citizen the, next Kane year. the next year. And he even... like A lot of people credit Citizen Kane for being the first film to really popularize this... Um, the depth of the camera use, that the very deep, like, deep focus, focus yeah. cinematography. But he did it in this movie a lot mm-hmm. as well. Like, a lot. Well, that was that was his thing. And he worked a lot with um, with William Wyler. Yeah. Because he did it, he does it in The Best Years of Our Lives. He does it... Little Foxes. Little Foxes. Yes. Uh, so it's... And it really works for The Grapes of Wrath. You have all those... You know, really far away shots of yeah. them walking along the road and like the streets and whatnot. You really get the expanse of that. You do. You see how wide open, how flat how that area flat is. It is how depressing it all. Yes. Is. And this movie, when I watched it, I went on to a huge kick of the Dust Bowl. Uh, I watched um, Ken Burns' docu-series about the Dust Bowl. Oh my god. What a dark time. I like. I remember learning about the Dust Bowl uh, in like grade school, but not like to the detail we probably should be taught no. about the Dust Bowl. Wild. This was my grandfather's favorite movie. Yeah. Um, he loved this movie, I think in large part because this was very similar to his story. Mm. Because I had, my grandfather was one of ten kids Uh um well one of them died when they were like three so it's really one of nine um he was the youngest and he uh and his family packed up closed up their farm in northern arkansas uh because they because they weren't making any money and it was the depression and they did the thing they do in this movie they went across country to california to pick oranges yeah. for a few years. And then a few of the family members ended up staying and the rest of them went back to Arkansas. But like the Grapes of Wrath is kind of, they, not the Dust Bowl, they didn't, the Dust Bowl didn't affect Arkansas so much, but like the packing up and moving during yeah. the Depression, that was their story. So this Absolutely. is a real thing. This is like very real. And yeah. like it tells it without um, taking any liberties. Like, when yeah. these people left, you know, um, Oklahoma, parts of Nebraska, these places that were really hit by the Dust Bowl, and moved to California, nobody in California wanted them there. Yeah. Which is why they were all so poor and living in these communities of homeless people who just had their vehicles there that were just run-down shacks. And uh, the Californians saw these people who were just like parasites and it's horrible how they treated them. Are you saying, Sam, mm-hmm. that this could maybe connect to people who are upset about foreigners going through tough situations, you seeking sure asylum and America a different is doomed place? to repeat itself. I mean, like, sure. these are maybe like they're gonna they're gonna say like, well, these are American citizens, so it's different. But no, but no, it's also like we're also <laughs> shitty to our own people. We're also, you know what I mean? We are shitty to our. We're own just people. very territorial people by nature. It's we crazy. are, and of course, this is based on 
I, this is the second year in a row we have a John mm-hmm. Steinbeck novel. As a, Definitely. But what's so interesting about this film, The Grapes of Wrath, coming out when it did in 1940, the Dust Bowl was still going on. Yeah. They hadn't figured out a solution yet. And the People Great Depression being, was... Was still going on. Was so raging. So talk about a timely piece... Like, this is, I, I'm sure this movie must have been very difficult for people to see back then because it, it affected so many Americans, especially, yeah. you know, middle America, who are really the people that Hollywood's trying to pander to because they're the people who are watching the most movies. So it's so fascinating to me that this movie didn't win Best Picture because, it's because so, of the subject it's matter so when it came out. You gotta wonder, though, maybe it's like, maybe it's almost because of how timely it is. Maybe it's something. Something like it's just like it's too realistic. So, so realistic, and it is very realistic. Very, um, and it's so timely that it's just like I can't mentally. Yeah, that could be a big part of it. Um, I mean, like, and the performances are so good. Um, Jane Darwell plays uh, won an Oscar Aww. for playing the Ma. And she's fabulous. She's so good. She's absolutely phenomenal. It's great little speech mm-hmm. in it too. Like the whole ending, the whole ending scene, um, right before Henry Fonda leaves, the 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 scene between the mom and the son. Mm-hmm. It's so heartbreaking and so touching. Um, I love that. Um, right before they leave Oklahoma, mm-hmm. she like holds up the earrings. Yeah. That's a beautiful piece of cinematography too. Yeah. She, she's going through all the treasures that she has to burn because they can't take everything with them when they're traveling, you know, across the United States. Yeah. And she holds uh, an earring up to her ear. She wants to see what she looks like one last time wearing like her pretty earrings. And it's just this dirty mirror. She's looking into it and you just see the sadness wipe across her face. It's, it's just It's wonderful. Gorgeous. And that's that's the beauty of movies to convey uh, just like this entire expression without any dialogue or words. That's just what a movie really is to me. A person's face can tell everything you need to know. And Jane Darwell does that throughout the entire movie. Yeah, she she really earned this Best Supporting Actress Oscar. And I'm yeah. saying that with full knowledge that another one of my favorite performances is in we this category. Are, let's get to it. Okay, <laughs> our big winner, Rebecca, also had the most nominees that year. 11 nominations. Well, David O. Selznick was a huge power player at this huge. point. He had just had the mammoth success that was Gone with the Wind. Yes. Um, and he was riding off that success. Rebecca was released just a few months after. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, it was released towards the beginning of the year. Yeah. So it wasn't necessarily fresh in the voters' minds. Apparently... He participated in some of the first campaigning by having a street temporarily temporarily renamed Rebecca Way. Oh my gosh, he would. LA. What a diva. Um, or Rebecca I love Wayne that. or Rebecca Abbott. I don't know, Rebecca something. And uh, the movie is also based on a best-selling novel, um, as several of these nominees are. Um, uh, Grapes of Wrath as, as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, Daphne du Maurier uh, wrote the book, uh, which is based... Uh, which is about a widower um, who meets a young girl. He's like in his 30s. She's like Mm 20-ish. And um, she's nameless because she... She's just the new Mrs. De Winter. She's... Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Horrible. If you you read the novel, which the novel is beautiful, uh, if you read the novel, it's narrated in the first person. Right. um, 
And the opening scene of this movie has narration, but it doesn't after that. Last night I dreamt I was at Mandalay again. It's one of the great opening lines <laughs> of the movie. Um, oh, man. And you start out... This movie is just, like, so gothic chic, you it's know? It's so great. It's, the uh, aesthetic is wonderful. Because uh, last night I dreamt I went to Mandalay again. That's, like, the opening of the movie, and it goes... It shows the ruins of the estate as yes. Joan Fontaine mm-hmm. is narrating. And then we flash back and we see how she met Lawrence Olivier, who plays Maxim de Winter, and um, uh, he ends up, they end up hitting it off, get married, mm-hmm. go back to his estate, Manderley, mm-hmm. and um, second she gets there, everything it is haunted, not actually haunted, but theoretically haunted by the spirit of his first wife, Rebecca, True. which part of her not having a name is to make her even more secondary yes. to this mythical creature. You always feel Rebecca's presence mm-hmm. in this movie, even she's, though she never comes into the film. She's basic, She's haunted by this domineering, amazing, apparently woman that was yes. Rebecca. And yep. the, always compared to her, and she never feels like she can, she, she feels she cannot measure up to Rebecca as the new Mrs. De Winter. Yes. And, and there um, are a couple of characters. Of yeah, and a big part of that is I'll because... very um, quickly mention... Oh, please do. First, she has a... Well, you don't meet him till later, but she she does have a cousin uh, played by George Sanders. Oh, Saunders. right. Sanders? Sanders. Sanders. Sanders? Okay, George Sanders, um, who does end up winning an Oscar later, a very deserved Oscar very that we'll deserved. get to, that we'll get to later. He has the silkiest voice. Yes. Um, he played Shere Khan... And, yes, he does. And the Jungle Book. Another great performance. You know, he committed suicide. Do you know what his letter said? Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> he said, Dear world, I'm leaving because I'm bored. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it kind of tells you what you need to know about him. I mean, like, he was an interesting character. But um, he plays Jack Favell, which is her favorite cousin. It's heavily implied. It's not implied. It's, hev- it's said mm-hmm. that he was having an affair with Rebecca. Right. Because cousins could do that back then. Cousins can do that. Um, and uh, he, so he loves Rebecca. He's someone that she encounters. But the biggest foe <laughs> in this film is Mrs. Danvers, yes. who is the creepy housekeeper to end all creepy housekeepers. She's so wonderful. She It's played by uh, Judith Anderson. Dame. Dame. You're right. Dame. Dame Judith. Judith Anderson. Anderson. Um, in one of the creepiest performances ever. And it's all done with the way she looks at you. She's very she subtle. Talks. Yes. Because she just kind of like... But she's so evil. And there's clearly like a lesbian relationship being yes. established on screen between... Rebecca and Mrs. Danvers. The Mrs. Best Danvers scene. loved her. The The best scenes in the movie involve Mrs. Mm-hmm. Danvers, but my oh, yeah. favorite scene is like halfway through the movie, uh, Joan Fontaine finally gets enough courage because she's living in the East Wing. Correct. And they've closed off the West Wing. No one lives in the West Wing. Mm-hmm. And Rebecca's room is kept just as it was. Correct. And so she gets up the courage because she feels like a visitor in her own home. Uh, to go uh, to the West Wing. And she sneaks in, and then Mrs. Danvers catches her. Uh And then Mrs. Danvers proceeds to show her Rebecca's room. And it is... Haunting. It's It's scary. It's disturbing. You just, you feel like how much Mrs. Danvers just is obsessed with Rebecca. Like, she pulls out her, like... um, 
uh, or like her nightgown. Her nightgown, yeah, and like all of her oh, delicates. It, she like, like she shows her the touch. Yeah, she's like touch. Oh, it's scary. It's like made by the nuns of the convent of St. Clair. That's what I like. And what I thought was so... And the nightgown is see-through. Yes. And she, like, she holds up her nightgown because she's, like, painted this picture of, like, and this is when Maxim and Rebecca would fuck, basically, Mm -hmm. is what she's getting into. Exactly. Um, And she, like, holds up her nightgown, which she keeps in a little case on the bed with a big R on it. (laughs) And she holds it up and she says, look, you can see my hand through it. Mm. And that's like the moment where Joan Fontaine's like, okay, I'm getting out of here. I must be. <laughs> What's interesting I read about this is um, Hitchcock filmed Mrs. Danvers mainly, not all the time, but mainly from Joan Fontaine's point of view. Mm-hmm. So you only really ever see Mrs. Danvers as she sees her, which is this very domineering and terrifying force. And you don't really see her enter or exit. Mm-hmm. She just kind of appears. And she always seems to be like floating. You never really see her feet. Yeah, she... So she could be dead too. She, I mean, know. like, we don't know. Really, <laughs> the, the, the first time you see her, you know, they... Um, the first shot of her is a really great shot. Yes, it is. Because um, she walks... Or floats. Floats. Yeah. It really does. Floats she looks like into she a floats. close up. Yep. Um, from like a medium to a close up. But you. It's kind of like blurry photography too. Like it's, it's just very otherworldly. Like the it's way great it's cinematography. Yes. It's, it's great. almost like it won best cinematography. It did. Yeah. And um, it makes sense. Um, but uh, the first time you see her, uh, Mrs. Danvers, mm-hmm. uh, they're meeting the staff at Manderley. And they show a wide shot of, like, all of the servants at the place lined up together. Mm-hmm. And she's not in the wide shot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then they cut back to Joan Fontaine and Laurence Olivier. And then they cut to uh, a medium shot of Mrs. Danvers just walking in. So she's not in the wide shot, but she is in the... Uh, because, like, she just So appears. smart. I love that. I love little stuff like that. I um, love that, too. Laurence Olivier should also be mentioned. Um, he's... He's uh he's one of the great actors of mm-hmm. all time. This is his second nomination. Second nomination. Uh, ten. In two years, yeah. Um, and he will eventually win. Eventually. Uh, uh you know, it's funny, you look at his he didn't make that many movies. No. He made more movies towards the end of his career when he I think was just trying to make money. And I feel like he made way more Shakespearean films than he did any other kind of movie. Most of Which he's become most famous for, obviously. Yeah. But, you know, it should be mentioned, yeah, you're right, that he's really good in this movie as well. My only problem with, like, his performances, his big moments come at the end when he's, like, explaining everything. Yeah. And then we get a little too, like, preachy in the end there. It's like, let me tell you exactly what you need to hear, finally, after two hours. I feel like Rebecca, um, I mean, like, the last 20, 30 minutes is necessary. Yeah. Um to find out what happens and the ending itself is very satisfying yes um but there is a period that doesn't necessarily have the momentum that the first 90 minutes has and you know why i think it is can we give a spoiler here yeah the whole spoiler is that rebecca um was killed and maxim de winter played by Lawrence olivier killed her essentially and he's been afraid to although say anything. the production code right yeah. did not allow that allow so a murderer she to apparently get off with the... slips off the side of the cliff in and the dies. novel right in the novel she is he shoots her correct mm-hmm. uh and she tries to get him to stop by telling him that she's pregnant 
there's this whole thing that happens that wasn't allowed by the production. But she wasn't actually pregnant. She was dying of cancer. Yes. She was just saying that she Which they don't find out until the end of the movie, which gives a motive for suicide, so they take suicide as the Exactly. Spoiler for the whole film. Exactly. So it all ends up okay. Uh, But since they couldn't do a lot of that in the Hollywood films, it comes across very, like, not as climactic as you think it should be. Not as climactic as the book was, let's put it that way. And the scene... The scene itself, I really do like that scene a lot where he finally explains everything. Yeah. Because Hitchcock shoots it in a way where, like... You don't know, you still think he's kind of the bad guy. Yeah. When I watched it the first time, I thought she was walking into danger when she uh, finally met him. Because I was like, maybe he did kill Rebecca. Maybe he's going to kill her now. Not the case. But you're right. He does film it. With a lot of suspense. Yeah, he does. Like, he he pans the camera across the room, um, and there's nobody in the shot. It's just you're imagining Rebecca's movements. And mm-hmm. so you're, you're walking across the room with a, a ghost, basically. Yes. So, it, yeah, it's well done. It is, it is really well done. Um, but it's also, uh, after this point in the movie, there's a lot of expository things that happen that... Uh, that, yeah, it's necessary, but it does kind of... And you go out of Joan Fontaine being the perspective for a little yes. while, which I think maybe hinders it just a bit. I think you're right. I, I also, I'm making this sound worse than it is, because I, it's, it's still, still very playable, but it's it's, a, it could have been better, is what I'm saying. It could have... Had it been made today, I think the suspense would have been even greater, because it could have... Well, you, you know, know discussing they couldn't discuss back then. It's interesting... You know, the end of this, towards the end of this movie, Joan Fontaine kind of steps out of the action for a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, Because they go to the doctor's office and she's not there. Correct. In the book, she's there. Um, And then the book ends with them driving back to Manderley and they see the blaze in the distance. Ah. Um, I think the idea was by leaving her at Manderley while the place is on fire mm-hmm. you added a little bit of suspense definitely that she might die in the fire and definitely. her ghost might have been narrating at the beginning oh uh, sure that makes sense yeah yeah um it is a great movie from start to finish i really like this movie um, um it's it's interesting because i like objectively i mean rebecca i'm going to watch before i watch the grace of wrath just because rebecca's a more uh it's a less mentally challenging experience. Definitely. It's easier to like be able to sit down and watch it. Yes. But The Grapes of Wrath is objectively the better movie. Yes. So it's it like... Is. I know. It's I, hard. But it's also like I do want a Hitchcock movie to win Best Picture. And this... You know, it's, it's not Hitchcock's best movie. No. But... I guess if we're going to give it to one, it might as well be this one. Of you know the ones I mean? that were nominated. Of the ones that were nominated, sure. You know, I mean, Psycho is now, you know, undeniably his most famous work to date. Honestly, Rope is my favorite Hitchcock movie. Yeah. But those, neither one of those movies were nominated. Exactly. And that's where it's like, you know, we, we kind of appreciate Hitchcock many years later now. And some of his, you know, not maybe his less popular films during the time have now become his classics of today. Well, I mean, a lot of his movies were just considered, like, popcorn thrillers mm-hmm. that weren't taken as seriously. Weren't taken seriously. For this time. This of... one was. And I wouldn't really call this a horror film. And it's his first movie in America, mm-hmm. although it takes place in England, which is, it was filmed, he filmed it here, he was still in England in uh-huh. his movies. 
Um, and this also, the principal photographer of this film started like five days after England oh, yeah. entered World War II. Yeah. So it definitely War. couldn't film in England. <laughs> and it's interesting. If you ever, there's a book called Memo from David O. Selznick, which if you would love it, mm. um, you guys would love it. If you're listening to this and you haven't turned off the podcast yet, um, <laughs> it's uh, just a collection of memos that David O. Selznick wrote. Oh. Um, about the various movies he worked on. Yeah. And the book contains a really big section that's just Gone with the Wind and a, another thick section that's just Rebecca. I love that. Um, and it's just, it's it's insane, the amount of detail. And you're thinking about the fact that while Rebecca is in production, Gone with the Wind's not done yet. Sure. So he's still finding time to obsess about the smallest details on Rebecca. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot and of he also is that. so aggravated with Hitchcock because Hitchcock, yes. like John Ford, cuts in the camera. Exactly what I was yeah. just going to say, oh, which yeah. pissed Selznick off because Selznick liked to, liked to do the final editing. Yeah, and Hitchcock and John Ford pretty much take care of that for you. There's no... Thank God. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hitchcock does not provide coverage, as they call it. Correct, He yeah. just shoots the shot he wants to be yep. the shot. And he gets it perfect. Um, but this is... It's it's interesting, because like you watch it, and you see, I think... Rebecca is such an interesting blend between Selznick and Hitchcock. It's like... Mm-hmm. You have the production value and the um, f- faithfulness to source material... Um, literacy, I guess, yeah. of a Selznick production. And then you have the suspense and the artistry. shadowy lighting. Yeah, the artistry of a artistry. Hitchcock production. So it's it's an interesting marriage of their two styles. And whether Hitchcock... Hitchcock didn't like Selznick. But, I mean, definitely I think that you can see how Selznick influenced the way he would later produce his own films. Definitely. You know? Definitely. So, it's a worthy movie to win Best Picture. It's 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 much better than a lot of the movies we've covered. Definitely um, is, yes. We're getting to these more interesting films now. Um, I love Rebecca. I, uh, at the end of the day, yeah, I guess it works for me. Like, we, yeah, yeah, I'm I, fine with it. I'm, <laughs> honestly, the things that we were talking, I think it's nitpicking at that point. Definitely, honestly. and you are. I mean, you're nitpicking between Rebecca and Grapes of Wrath, two of these film directors' best movies, you know? Yes. So it's so difficult to yes. really judge which one should win. And I guess, like you said, maybe Rebecca was just a more consumable film for audiences that year it, than wanting to see the tragedies of The Grapes of Wrath, which maybe would have done better had it been released, you know, maybe after World War II and the Depression was over. Which is know? not to say it didn't do well. It, it did, did very well. It did very well. But I you mean, know? as far as voting purposes. Also, Correct. you know, like, you can't, like, underestimate, like, whatever... Um, influence Selznick's dominance at that point might have had. In the Academy, too. In for Academy. sure, yes. Um, and the fact that there was probably a lot of goodwill towards Hitchcock, because he was this new boy yep. you know, on that's the street. Right. So, I don't know. True. It all kind of lined in place for them. It, it did. It did. It did. So that's Rebecca. And Rebecca also it. won Best Cinematography. was nominated mm-hmm. for like everything else. Oh, and it's, it was the last movie to win Best Picture without winning either Direction, Screenplay, or an Acting Award. Really? The last one. Not a single other one. Not a single other one. Yeah, because it didn't win. It didn't even win, like, film editing, which is nope. another big one. Huge one, yeah. So usually a, a film in, you know, all the years later will This is a very one. spread out year. Very spread out, Thief yeah. of Baghdad actually won the most 
Oscars because it won all those technical. And it only won three. That's the crazy thing. Usually, you can see a film win four or five. No, but no three. Yeah, no. What are we doing next next week? We've got how green was my valley? TBD. We have to ask that question. We must. Um, I have not seen this movie before, so I'm very excited to watch it. Um, Another John Ford film. I know John Ford is going to win his third. Dominating. Yeah. Dominating. So we'll uh, we'll get to him. Very, very soon. Um, in the meantime, we hope that you have a lovely week. Have a lovely week, you guys. Yeah.